And we are live. Hello, hello, hello. Looks live. You're right, Dustin. We are. How's it going? Going pretty well. How about yourself, Kane? Very well. Well, not as well as it could have been. My computer has just died completely now. Um, Webcam wasn't working. Tried to restart it, and it's now giving me the Apple sign. It's just sitting there. So I'm on my other computer. I'm on my MacBook, and I don't have a mic, so I'm sounding a bit terrible. So apologies to all of the regular listeners who are used to some pretty decent sound quality coming through these speakers, but uh, not today, unfortunately. How are you? I was going to say how strange that your computer died the day after Apple announced a new line of computers. Funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah, funny, isn't it? <laughs> it is funny. It's funny. But a big congratulations in order, Dustin. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So for those who weren't on the last podcast, uh, my wife was was expecting, and now we have a, a beautiful baby girl at home. So um, a baby girl who doesn't sleep all that much. My Google searches recently have been, my baby poops too much. My baby doesn't poop enough. What do I have to do for my newborn to get into an Ivy League school? Uh, when do things stop sucking? So uh, that gives you a little bit of an indication. Um, I have been heavily heavily using um sleep sounds though so that is my nice. one um i'll tie that back into the the topic of this podcast nice that i used to use that quite a lot white noise uh, yeah. was the go-to uh alexa skill for me which was uh, which was good so yeah so how, how was your sleep my sleep is, is near non-existent, uh, but but it's okay. Right, you you get occasional sleep and you come out the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick power nap. Um, <laughs> I, I would love to tell you it gets better, but uh, Artie is two now and he's up bang on six every morning. Uh, therefore, so am I. And so you kind of <laughs> the later you go to bed. It's just basically the more you're eating into your own sleeping time. <laughs> right. so I tend to get early nights and early mornings now. Which, uh, which there you go but uh yeah wouldn't change it so yeah big congratulations and welcome everybody to the the wicked land uh which is sponsored by the conversation design institute uh they're sponsored i think this month next month um if you are looking to be a conversation designer if you want to learn how to be a conversation designer if you're looking for a place to start you want to know how to do things properly it's the role of the future without a shadow of a doubt the conversational academy uh, or the conversational design institute rather which used to be the conversational academy um has the course for you it's an online all online do it at your own pace the certifications at the end of it they've got a number of different courses in there as well you can start with the beginner course you can move to intermediate and there's a whole host of uh, good stuff in there and they're always adding to it as well and uh, vux world listeners can save 25 percent if you go and join with the link that we'll include in the show notes and back through uh, the LinkedIn. We'll go back through the LinkedIn comments and stuff like that and we'll put the comment in there uh, after the broadcast. So thank you to the Conversation Design Institute and please do check it out. Um, but today, Dustin, we are talking to uh, we're talking to Hannes uh, Haken-Hemo, who is joining us right now. Hello there, Hannes. Hey. How's How it going? going? Very well. Thank you for joining us from... Switzerland? Finland, Helsinki. Finland, Helsinki. Apologies. And you were, first of all, I thought I was going to get your name wrong, which I think I might have done. Um, and secondly, the location was always a worry of man as well. <laughs> but Finland, welcome. Welcome to welcome to the show uh, from Spe- uh, Speechly. And we're going to get into the, uh, the nuts and bolts of that very shortly. Well, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me. 
It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Dustin, you've got a little bit of experience with speech, Lee, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we've worked together or uh, attempted to work together. We haven't quite found that project where we can make it work, uh, but definitely no speechly back to the the pre-speechly days, even uh, the speech grinder days. So excited to to speak about what you're doing, what's new, and then introduce you to our audience as well. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, Ash Dazwani, Dustin says, "Congrats on the baby." Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. There you go. Uh, so, Hannes, tell us tell us a bit about yourself. Then tell us what you do, how you got involved with Speechly. One of the co-founders, so you've obviously been there from the very beginning. I imagine it's your brainchild. So, tell us a bit about yourself, how you founded uh, Speechly, and then we'll kind of we'll de- get into a little bit about what Speechly does. But tell us a little bit about yourself first. Yeah. So, my background is in in machine learning. So, I started my career in the academia doing research on stuff related to data mining and machine learning. Got my PhD back in 2010, so around 10 10 years ago. And after that, being mostly active in in the industry with projects related to data, all all sorts of projects. I started my first like industry data project already back in 2007 when I was doing my PhD that was in Google and Zurich and the Google Maps team. After I got my PhD, I joined Nokia. There was working on, on predictive analytics, recommendation systems. And then a couple years later, I joined Rovio, the company behind the Angry Birds games. There I was working on data engineering, um, uh, like um, the, the basically the big data infrastructure for for Rovio's games. And then I joined a Finnish, um, after that, the Finnish consulting company called Reactor. And there, there I first worked on like data engineering, but then my focus shifted more towards machine learning, especially natural language understanding. And then the last big project that I did for, for Reactor was actually for Apple in the Siri project. And there I was one of the four natural language understanding engineers working on the first version of, of the Finnish Siri. And, and that was back in two, 2015, 2016. And then coming back from that project, um, 2016, uh, Speechly, um, Speechly was founded. And that's sort of the, the background of, of me and the company as well. So you, you've been in machine learning for quite a while. You worked in NLU uh, recently before going to before founding Speechly. Why did you stick with NLU? What's the interest there for you when there's so much uh, in the machine learning space that you could have gone into? Well, I I think like like fundamentally, I think language is very interesting uh, part of you know, the whole AI and machine learning. Uh, and you you end up there in very interesting machine learning problems. So that, that was like one of, I think it's very, very core in like AI intelligence. It's also human intelligence, like languages is a, a sort of a, a very um, integrated part of, of, of who we are as humans and as like intelligent beings. So that, that, that's sort of the core intelligence, oh, sorry, the core um, sort of interest for me in, in languages in general and machine learning. But I think also the, like, it's a very exciting time to be, be in, in, 
like language modeling and natural language um, understanding at, at the moment. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening there, ha has been already for several years. Uh, like uh, first um, the whole um, like language ending things. And, and then around the time in 15 and, and before that, um, the whole deep learning and speech and, and you, you saw this like massive improvements in, in speech recognition. And, and I think it was 2016 when, when we had these first papers on, on human parity and speech recognition. And then there was this Alexa, uh, uh, Amazon Alexa was taking off and I just, I just got really excited about that um, whole whole thing, and 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 that's sort of the reason why I, why I stuck with it because it really intrigues me, but it's also a extremely, you know, interesting time uh, at the moment to be within that domain. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm curious, so, uh, you know, as we just talked about, you are based in Finland, and I had to look up the numbers really quickly. Uh, it looks like there's 5.4 million uh, native Finnish speakers, uh, not even in the top 100 of, of languages worldwide. Do you feel like that has been uh, added a bit of a challenge for you or, uh, or not so much? I think it's, um, well, of course, I mean, uh, the, the language itself is, is very small and, and the market is very, uh, very small. So we're uh, a bit in the outskirts of these bigger markets in a, in a sense, especially when it comes to language. So if you want to uh, sort of conquer the world, world you're not going to do it with Finnish. That's, that's for sure. But, but the Finnish is... It's an in interesting language, and it's very different to these, like, more, um, you know, the, the more traditional European um, uh, languages, um, uh, of course, like English, French, Italian, German, um, uh, Spanish. It works in a bit different way. So um, as a sort of a language enthusiast and also coming from a little bit different way of thinking, um, I think it also helps because one sort of trait of Finnish is that the grammar is extremely uh, complex. Uh, so so it's uh, like one of the most complex grammars uh, of, of any language in, in the world. So if you can master um, Finnish, if you can really model that, uh, it's it's pretty easy to sort of go to other languages. So, so we started off with Finnish, and I think that that was a good, a good move in the sense that you know mastering Finnish, uh, other languages uh, feel um, might feel like easier, uh, easier sort of targets to model them. Hmm. What what is, what is it? Could you give us an example of of some of that? more complex Finnish kind of grammar and then what challenges that might have produced that might help people because I mean everyone says that English is a difficult language to, to do because it's so vast um, yeah. so it'd be nice just to understand a little bit about you know some of those examples of, of the complexity of the Finnish grammar have you got any examples 
Yeah, so uh, Finnish, there's probably like these memes in, in the internet uh, if, if, you, if you're interested in that. But basically, like Finnish works, um, um, works in a very different way. So basically, you add suffixes and uh, there's um, these, um, there's out of, uh, let me check that I'm, uh, there's um i'm gonna check one one so then i'm talking about um are you familiar with finnish dustin <laughs> yeah not so, not too much but yeah a little bit of research I, I read for example that maybe even like vowel and consonant length might even change the the meaning of words yeah so there's in inflection so you basically inflect the word so you for one word you have multiple different for, formats um, and and so for a basic word um, I think there are 16 like inflections um, in in just the singular form and then you can add basically as many suffixes so it it works very differently to English uh, which is more sort of preposition heavy but in Finnish, you add these suffixes and, and you basically morph morph the word. So the, the morphology of Finnish is extremely uh, complex. So I think there's like, um, in Germany, I think there's like five forms of inflection of a basic basic word. In Finnish, you have like 16. So uh, so it's, it's very, but if you're like, there's, literally a lot of these memes uh, uh, in the internet about the complexity of, of Finnish. So if, if you're interested, uh, you can find them pretty easily. Thanks. You mentioned that um, a bit a while ago, and we'll, we'll get on to speech here in a minute, but you mentioned a while ago that now is the perfect time or, or an exciting time, I think you said, to be involved in speech technology. What, why is that? And what's exciting you so much about where things are at today? So I think we're sort of in the verge. I think everything needed to really, like, uh, you know, we have these, um, the speech recognition, you have human parity, basically for some test sets, you have even like superhuman accuracy in transcription. Uh, then you have, have this, like NLU has just, you know, had its like image at moment. You have this GPT-3 and all of these like things that, you see that the whole thing is sort of taking off, but it's still at its infancy also in a, in a certain uh, certain extent. So if you think about voice um, interfaces, for instance, they're really taking off. So, so there's like significant market penetration for, for voice technology, but it's still a little bit bubbling under. So you haven't really, you know, uh, what happened with vo like touch with the eyes, uh, like iPhone hasn't really yet happened with voice. And so I think we're in the, in the, you know, the, the verge of, of having that explosion that hasn't really yet happened, but you have the technology and it's advancing in leaps and, and you don't really know what's going to happen next, like with these GPT threes and all, all of these. So it's, it's a very exciting time because we really don't know 
like what things are you know how does the landscape look in a year two three or and and so on so it's really that i think is very exciting what do you think is keeping it from crossing that chasm and becoming more main or not necessarily mainstream because it definitely is mainstream in a sense but becoming something that is more established becoming a a touch interface style prevalence yeah so that's that's something that you know i think the problem like the technology is there so the accuracy is there so it's not an issue anymore about accuracy whether the systems can can really understand you so um so the the speech recognition accuracy is there the natural language understanding accuracy is there the the problem i think with the current sort of generation of devices is that the user experience is still not that great um, and the reason is not in the accuracy side which i think like traditionally people had thought thought that that's that's the issue but it's not that there anymore the issue is really in the way the system systems give feedback. And so the user experience um, in terms of how, what, what the end user experience is, is not yet that good. And that's exactly the problem that, that sort of Speechly is tackling. Nice, that's a nice, nice enough segue. Tell, tell us then what Speechly is and how Speechly is tackling that particular problem of voice in particular having, having uh, to, to use your kind of phrase, the, the kind of user experience not being fantastic. What, what is Speechly and, and what does it do? Yeah, so Speechly is, so basically we're um, um, a company that developers uh, like developers can use to create voice user interfaces so we we provide technology we provide a product um, that that is is basically technology for for creating voice user interfaces and and especially where we sort of where our sweet spot is in terms of like where we target uh, or what the context in in which our technology works really well are the touchscreens, uh, touchscreen um, devices, where you have a screen, you can touch um, touch the screen, uh, but you can also talk to the device, and so that's sort of uh, the target of our technology. And what's special about us is that um, we really um, focus um, to the sort of the. Um, the feedback side of uh, of the voice user experience. So, so really making the user experience such that the feedback that you get uh, from the uh, the voice user interface is very fast uh, and very responsive and reactive. And what's uh, and and we've developed our own technology. And what's special about our technology is that. Uh, we've developed a spoken language understanding technology, uh, like contrary to what traditionally voice user interfaces work. Uh, they work such that basically they wait for a person to stop talking and then they react. And, and that works great for things like turn on the lights or play something on Spotify. But if you try anything more 
lengthier, if you have a more complex task that takes longer to express, that sort of uh, that doesn't work anymore uh, because if if you say something long and you get the 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 feedback at the very end, some something might have gone wrong at the midway, and they, basically then um, you know you get a very poor user experience. So what we provide is a spoken language understanding technology that basically starts to make sense of what the user um, is is saying the second they start to talk. And what that enables is basically instant feedback for, for the voice user interface experience. And if you sort of, we mentioned iPhone there, and, and what, what was the very cool thing about iPhone, uh, what I think is, is sort of in the core, what made iPhone the iPhone, was the very intuitive voice, uh, sorry, the touchscreen experience um, where you could swipe and zoom and, and pinch and, 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 and do all of those things. And touchscreens were not a new thing when, when I've, the iPhone was um, uh, presented, but what was really new was the very rapid feedback uh, that the iPhone was able to uh, sort of produce when you, when you did those uh, touching gestures, and if you remember the pre-iPhone touchscreens, they were like you 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 did something, and a second later something happened. So they were very the user experience in terms of the feedback of the system was was very poor. And what iPhone did was that because the screen was so responsive, you had a very nice and natural experience. And that's that's the exact thing that we're doing at Speechly, but for voice. So we're we're developing technology where the response for those voice commands is very fast, very snap, snappy. And, and that sort of, um, that enables a much more smoother and faster and reactive and, and nicer experience for, for voice. Gondersen, I think you, hmm, not getting your sound there. Sorry, Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, tell us about some of the uh, some of the things that you've enabled that wouldn't have been able to be done without that responsive piece of text. Yeah. So there's there's a sort of a couple of things, and I I have um, I have some demos or a demo that I could show as well. But what what the rapid feedback gives you is first of all. Um, it gives you sort of better recovery from error. So, uh, like even if speech recognition is is in in accuracy, like in human parity, actually the human parity isn't that great um, all the time. So even when people speak, they misunderstand each other, they mishear each other. So errors, you'll always get errors. But the key thing with rapid feedback is that if you get the error, you can also uh, like recover very fast uh, uh, from from the error because you get the immediate feedback from the error and you can stop and then you can correct and you can just continue and the error doesn't cost as much as when it happens at the very end after which you've like um, you know you've you've uttered for 15 seconds and then then you get the error then it costs a lot and then it's very frustrating experience but if you get the error at the at the moment that it happens, you can just um, correct it very fast and just continue. A bit like you know you're typing 
and, and you type and you, uh, you mistype and you see the error again and it's very fast to sort of uh, recover from that. So that's the, the, one of the benefits um, that you can do because like the errors in, in voice interfaces can be very uh, annoying. Uh, and, and, but if you can recover from them fast, they don't, um, they're not so painful. So that's, that's one thing. And then the other thing is that if the system is understanding you and you get the immediate feedback from that as well, that gives you the confidence to go on. And so you don't need to limit yourself to these very short utterances and very short like case use cases with uh, very short utterances like turn on the lights. But if you get the feedback that the system is understanding you, you actually get the validation that, okay, I can just continue and you can go on and on as, as long as the system is understanding you. So that's, that sort of enables a lot more complex use cases, a lot more sort of, you know, um, these workflows with multiple steps and, and so on. So, so those are sort of the things that you can do with our technology that's not that great with other, other technology. And presumably that that must rely on on the the screen then because so i'm just imagining like you know if, if you speak to i'm just making sure that they're all on mute before i go blurting names out if you speak to alexa for argument's sake um normally when you say something you ask it to do something or you know you'll say something to alexa or google assistant and you kind of know what you want to say and then you'll just say it and then you'll finish saying it and then you'll see whether it's heard you correctly or not. I'm trying to imagine a time when I'd be in the middle of saying something and then see that it hasn't recognized what was going on and then how I, how I would correct myself kind of thing. So I'm just wondering, and, and obviously in an audio only environment with a smart speaker, probably not going to see that unless the light starts flashing red, but then it, it must know that it hasn't heard me correctly for it to flash red. So it's, that's kind of like something that it's almost like the error, the feedback is on me as a user to determine whether or not the system has heard me. Is that right? And so that's, that's one question. And the other one is, does this rely on the screen for, for this to be effective? Yeah, I think the the screen and the visual feedback there is in, in a big role. And, and if you think of like human conversation, um, uh, and if you think of like talking, uh, talking like um, over the phone versus where uh, over the phone where you can only hear, uh, you know, each other versus uh, in a video conference call, or even like face to face, um, uh, physically, uh, the face to face communication is, is a lot more efficient than like if you could like if you have a very complex thing that you want to explain to your friend probably you want you, you want to do it uh, face to face because it's a lot more efficient and a part of that efficiency is that you have these other modalities at 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 your disposal not just the the verbal modality but you can see the gestures uh, the expressions and and you you basically see that visual feedback from from your discussion partner, uh, like whether whether they are understanding, whether they like what you say, whether they're comfortable with what you're saying, and and then you can iterate uh, uh, with those 
sort of uh, other other uh, f- types of feedback that you can read read from that other person and that's that's the reason why this face like face to face communication is so much more efficient uh, because you have these modalities um, at at your disposal which make it more efficient and that's the same thing if you have a screen uh, you get that feedback and you can sort of uh, iterate your message uh, a lot more faster uh, and exchange information a lot more faster and and the thing with uh, visual is that it's non-interruptive in the sense that the system can give you feedback but it doesn't interrupt you uh, it doesn't interrupt your verbal flow uh, in the same way that that a device that like responds only with voice synthesis so it's 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 like more full du- duplex in that sense that that there's uh, an exchange of like there's a channel of um, and there's more than one channel where you can exchange information and and also the, the human brain like the verbal and then the sort of the, the visual parts of the human brain are very separate so that's why you can talk but also ingest visual information uh, very effectively. And we, we've got a related question uh, coming in from the audience. Lisa Vigor, sorry if I mispronounced your last name. But the question essentially is, do we run a risk of confusing users? We've taught them how to use touch screens. We've taught them how to use uh, speech technology. And now there's a combination and perhaps a change in the way that we suggest the technology be used. Do we run a risk, if, especially if we're a front runner, an early adopter of your technology? Do we run a risk of confusing users? Yeah, I think when when you introduce a new modality like voice to a touchscreen app, that people are like only used to tapping, uh, and you introduce a new modality, there's a certain learning curve to that um, for sure. Uh, so it's like 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 when you when you introduce any any new technology there's a little bit of learning curve the, the good thing with voice though is that you can add it to a touchscreen application in a way that um, doesn't really like you don't need to change the application very much uh, if you add the option of voice there uh, so you can have the application work as though people um, like how people have used to using it, but you can add the voice there um, uh, so that they can start testing out the combination of and touch uh, sort of very with low, low barrier or without sort of redesigning everything. So, I mean, I, I, can, I can show, perhaps it's a good idea that I, I show our demo um, because it's, uh, it might give some idea, first of all, how our tech works, but also like how you can sort of integrate voice um, to a website or, or a mobile app, really like disturbing the, the like greatly the, the sort of traditional experience that people are, are used to. Mm. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, let's, let's have a look at the demo. Yeah. I think it's um, it's an interesting, while you kind of fire the screen up, I think it's interesting the whole concept of voice enabling touchscreens because um, one of the things that was 
kind of spoke about quite a lot during the first kind of lockdown period and the first COVID wave and all that sort of stuff was how there's potential for like, you know, voice enabling touchscreens, voice enabling, um, you know, mobile devices, in-store kind of uh, point of sale systems, all those kind of things. And how um, there was even research done that was saying that people would prefer to use voice in certain situations. Um, so I think that's that's kind of what I'm I'm interested in in in, in taking a look at because I think also one of the things that have been spoken about a lot over the last sort of like six months although I haven't actually seen that many examples of it is this voice enabling uh, apps you know we had uh, Mike Zagorsek from Soundhound on uh, last week or the week before um, talking about the work they've been doing with uh, Pandora in the Pandora app um, obviously working with a lot of car manufacturers voice enabling the the units in in cars and all them screens these days and so that's a combination of touch and voice and the, the whole concept of one voice playing a big role off the back of covid and two voice becoming part of what's already there becoming part of the app becoming part of the car not necessarily being this standalone thing over here that you need to go out of your way to do but you know all of those kind of modalities converging so i'd be interested in seeing um a little bit of how speechly looks in practice and then maybe we can get into how can people actually make this happen for themselves and then how what's working behind the scenes and stuff like that. Yeah. So it looks like we've got we've got your screen here. Let's have a let's have a peek at what's going on over here. Yeah. So I mean this this is our our demo app that we've been working on um, uh, now now and the idea that this is sort of a very sort of skimmed down version of your uh, you know uh, your usual. Um, e-commerce site, like fashion e-commerce site, and the way it works is that you have these, you know, you have these filters, and 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 you use those um, uh, to to sort of um, um, you know filter out what you're interested in, and and so people can use this as as their sort of uh, um, as they're um, used to so touching, um, like filtering and, and sort of um, using using the filters. But what you can, and but the problem here is of course that uh, especially for, for a small like handheld device like a mobile phone, like using these filters for an e-commerce site that has a lot of these brands is like, can be like very, uh, very sort of annoying. Uh, so um, it's it's not that easy. It's not that great. It's it's slow. It's tedious uh, to work. So what you can do is you can just add a voice button here, um, um, and and then it doesn't change the actual layout of the site uh, site or the page that much. But you can add just add the microphone there. Um, and, and then you can have people, instead of like tapping the filters, they can just say what they want. So, so something like, show me sneakers for men by Nike in white. No, I mean black. And can you short by price? So, so you can then introduce the voice and they can try it out and, and see how it sort of changes the experience. And as you, as you see, it's like very handy just just like uh, uh, like um, use the filters and you get that immediate reaction and then because you get that immediate reaction you can then verbally react to that and, and sort of iterate those filters uh, mm. very very fast 
and and that's that's the the basic idea. Mm. So for the, for those listening on the podcast who've only got the audio, essentially what we've got is a, a, a website mock-up of an e-commerce kind of retailer that sells shoes and, and you know T-shirts and whatnot with filters across the top, which you'd be used to seeing if you use any of the online retailers, then you can use those different filters to filter by price or men's or clothing type and brand and stuff like that and in the demo that we just heard of Hannes kind of going through that kind of utterance that he just said the screen was changing and I think that I had you on screen there actually um, Hannes when you were doing it so maybe we'll do another one so that people can see it again um, on the on the screen so what's happening for those tuning on the podcast is that the results are changing essentially in real time as the utterance is coming in um, so yeah, do you want to give us another example, Hannes? Yeah, we'll, we'll try sure. and run that again. Now clear and show me jackets by Jack and Jones uh, in red uh, and size extra large. And can you short by price again? So that's, that's another another yeah. example. Cool. So what would be interesting is so, so I, I think that the the technology is is fantastic and it's good how it's you know it's showing you what you're saying in real time as well which i'm pretty sure siri used to do and now doesn't anymore since the change the interface which is actually frustrating because you do need to wait to see whether it's got what you've said um so that's interesting my, my question is and I, I don't know if you've got any data on this from from you know the customers that are using it and things like that is that so what Custom, people are kind of being trained in how to use these assistants. And Siri is, I think, I think the last numbers that Apple kind of published was something like um, 25 billion utterances have hit Siri since it's kind of begun. And it's somewhere in the region of like, is it something like 25, 25 million? I can't remember what the numbers are anyway, but I know Google Assistant said it's 500 million active users per month. And Siri published something or said something in one of the recent announcements. It was not too far away. So, but my, my wondering is, I use Siri all the time because I have to because I've got an iPhone. And I tend to use it for the kind of, like it starts off a web search for me or it opens an app for me. Or sometimes it will send a WhatsApp or a message or it will add an Evernote. But most of the time, I'm kind of using it just to get somewhere quickly. I'd be interested in how your usage of Google Assistant might be similar or, or different, Dustin, on on the, the Android. But my, I kind of tend to use the, the phone assistant. Maybe it's because it's the capability that it has. It's not actually that good at full end-to-end kind of use cases. But I tend to use it to get to something quickly. Alexa, on the other hand, and Google Assistant, I tend to use those, you know, of the typical use cases like play music and add things to your list and setting times and stuff like that. And so, but if I, if I was to tally up all of the things I say to my assistant right now, apart from when I get into an experience, but most of the things that I say do tend to be fairly kind of short. So I wonder, and this is maybe something, and first, Dustin, you can tell us whether you're thinking the same, and then Hannah said it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on what the data is showing you. But I wonder whether people are being trained right now to speak in slightly shorter utterances. Is that your experience as well, Dustin? Do you tend to use the same sort of shorter utterances, or do you tend to go for something more longer and precise? It, it definitely depends on the the, the need um, and what I'm what I'm asking for. Uh, I mean, it all comes down to, in my mind, this is the the big challenge, right? And and Hannes, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on this. Is are customers being trained, or is this just what they want to do? 
obviously here and our audience as well, we're very bullish on this as an interface and as a mechanism and, and as what you can do for it. But I wonder so as, as I wonder as well if we're pushing a string sometimes. Are we is this what customers want to do or do they do they not feel like they can do it yet? Have we trained them? Hannes, what have you seen? Once your customers integrate this, are they leading towards more complex, longer phrases now that they're more able to handle that? Yeah, so I I think um, it um, depends on, on the task. Uh, so um, I think there is a natural uh, sort of tendency of people when they first try voice user interfaces, they, they, they try to talk like they're talking to a human, like very politely and, and using these carrier phrases and, and all of that. But then when you start getting accustomed uh, to, to talking and, and, and you realize that it's a computer, you start to, uh, um, you start to sort of um, command it more with like short, snappy like commands and, and I think that's natural and then when somebody when you use a lot of this voice I think it's there's a natural tendency to sort of stream down the commands and just con you know do the essential uh, bits I think that's sort of a, a, a love love nature like minimum energy uh, type of thing but then it depends on on the task a lot so like if if you think of one example and i could show a, a demo of, of that as well uh we have an application of for grocery shopping um and uh, uh if you think of like a, a family uh with children shopping groceries and, and they they typically tend to shop quite a lot so you can have a lot of items uh, on your shopping list, and we have this application that I could demo, uh, where you just um, basically list out items. And so you might have a hundred items. It's a very long list, and and uh, if you're able to do it in a way where you can just you know list out all of the stuff that you want, uh, and and you see the feedback coming in, and if you've done it like. 10 times, 30 times, 50 times, you want to just, you know, burp it out and, and get, get, get it done and, and over with. And if you support, if the voice user interface supports that, that you just want to, you know, you want to get it over with, you want to say the items you want, and then it's that, then uh, it's, it's very good that the, 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 the user interface doesn't get, on, on the way of, of that. So if you, you think of doing something like that, like grocery list, a long grocery list with something like uh, Alexa uh, and, and you always need to say the, the wake up word and then you say one item or a couple of items and then you listen to the, to the uh, voice synthesis response of it and some items, like items might get mixed up and all of that. So, uh, uh, you know, it depends on, on the task. Mm. I think that there's, I found one the other day, which I'll show you. Um, so 
one, one, I think you touched on something there. One, one is the the ability to just be able to say very long phrases and do a very granular specific search. And Mike Zagosic demoed the Soundhound uh, capability um, that showed something very similar, wasn't it, Dustin, the, the other week? Um, which is very similar to kind of how you displayed there, like, you know, show me black sneakers under $100, you know, men's size 8. <clears throat> and that's really good. I can totally see the value of that if you want something specific. But you touched on something there that I think was quite uh quite good which is and I, I come across this the other day when i was trying to do some just some simple calculations i was trying to use siri just to add up a couple of bank items on my bank so i had my bank app open and i was trying to use siri to just do some to cal- just some quick calculations not everything just like here and there and what i was realizing is that it it because it's trying to get you the answer the mic doesn't stay open the mic will only stay open for a certain length of time. So if you pause while you're trying to work out whether you want to add that calculation in or not, it stops listening and gives you a result, and then you can't continue the calculation. Um, so that was frustrating. And then the other thing is that if you read the wrong number, so if I say something like, you know, what's, I don't know, 12 add £11.32, add 64, add 32, add, oh no, I mean, I mean 22. You, don't, you can't do that. You can't correct yeah. yourself. So in that instance, it's not necessarily what you were explaining, which is that having verbal or, or visual feedback, it's me knowing that I've said something wrong and that I need to correct myself and it's not quite doing it for me. So I think those two things, maybe being able to leave the mic open a bit longer for you to be able to have a slower expression and also for you to be able to correct a mistake that you've found is, I think I can see the total value in that. Are both of those things something that speechly and the speech technology can do? Yeah, because people always think that it's the computer that makes the mistakes, but actually when people utter things, they make mistakes as well and they realize that, okay, now I just, I did, I said I wasn't supposed to say, and I meant that, so, you know, when when you think this when you're expressing yourself in this stream of consciousness type of way which is very natural to to humans and i think one of the problems with these uh, these uh, assistants uh, when you need to do very concise you need to figure out first what you, you say and then you say what people want to really do is that they just want to start talking and then go along uh, along as as they sort of figure out what they want to say at the same time as they say and and you get this stream of consciousness where you might need to correct yourself uh like uh, every once in a while and 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 so that type of streaming uh feedback and and the time uh, natural language understanding that that we provide enables that which I think is very powerful. Mm. So what's the process then to to add voice to a screen? Um, someone's got an app or they've got a piece of software. Um, what is the process to, to actually do that, to add voice? Let's take that e-commerce uh, website example. What's the process to, to turn an e-commerce filter into a, a voice experience, voice user interface? Yeah, so so it's it's actually pretty simple. Uh, so um, so um, there are a couple of steps. Um, so uh, so first of all, what you need to like for Speechly, uh, we have uh, a dashboard where you go and create uh, an app ID, um, uh, and and you have a basic uh, configuration. 
Um, so I can I can just actually quickly quickly show you that. Um, let me share the screen. Mm -hmm. so, so can you see the screen? Yeah. So let me. And if you don't mind, uh, talk through what you're doing as well, because there's going to be people listening in later. Yeah, yeah. So I'm basically going to the, the Speechly dashboard, and, and I'm uh, creating an app app ID that I can then use. So basically, there you, you create a new app ID. You select the language. You, you select the configuration. And there's a, a ready-made configuration here. Um, and and so uh, there's this this view where you can go and and select your intents, your entities, and then add some um, example utterances with with the speech annotation language that you that you see here. So that's that's one thing that you need to do. And then then the second thing that you need to do is um, basically let me um, I'll share another another screen. Sorry for. Uh, so the other thing that you need to do is just just a second. I'll open the tab first. And so you. So that first thing that you were showing is essentially you just creating your interaction model, essentially. So presumably, whoever has the website will need to go in there, figure out all of those filter values, all those filter categories, all of the kind of data points that they expect people to to communicate <clears throat> and populate yeah. them inside there. So you, so you need to essentially turn your um, the options that you want to give people or the, the things that you want to allow them to control, you need to turn that, those things from the website into an interaction model, essentially. Yeah. So this is, for instance, the, 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 the fashion, fashion demo. Um, and what the API for that provides is if I say this, you know, uh, show me sneakers for men by Nike. So what the API produces is, is these intents and these entities that it provides in a sort of a streaming manner. So, so you need to configure the application so that it gives, uh, so, so that the entities and intents sort of match, match your application. So that's, that's the, the one step. And, and then the other step is that um, you need to integrate and integrate it in your app. And that's, that's done uh, with, with a client that we provide, an integration client, for instance. Here we have, if you go to our GitHub site, we have a React client that, that you can use uh, uh, to, uh, to basically um, like match the, the API, uh, the, the, the entities and the intents and, and all of those with, with the actual elements in your UI. And what's nice here is that uh, if you think of like the uh, reactive programming paradigm of, of something like uh, React, for instance, where you sort of connect streams of actions, like the user actions to, to the components and, and the stream sort of manipulates the different UI components, uh, this sort of streaming 
a type of um, response that, that we provide is a very natural fit to that type of paradigm. So basically what we provide is, is a stream that you can connect to whatever UI component in your UI, and then you basically just uh, change the state of those UI components based on, on the values that, that, that you get from uh, the, the stream of intents and entities that our API uh, provides and and that's that's basically it. So the the so when you when you connect the um, when you connect that up to your website, what's happening is that the you're taking the audio, converting it into speech, figuring out which kind of entity is being hit. And then you're sending that back to the website so that on the front end of the website, they can actually manipulate those elements on the screen. Exactly. So basically what our client here does is that it takes care of recording the audio. Uh, for instance, in, in this React client case, it, it takes care of, um, uh, um, of recording the audio with your browser. It sends that audio to our back end uh, to the API that you've defined uh, with the language of, of your application, with the intents and the entities that you're interested in. And then what you get back in a streaming manner, uh, our API tries to figure out as fast as it can as you're talking, what are the intents and entities that you're talking about, and then it streams them back. And then you can use those events as um, like events that then uh, trigger state changes in, in your UI. So you can, for instance, if, for instance, in the demo that I showed you, uh, you can then change the filter values uh, of, of your uh, filtering uh, search based on those different entities uh, that, that you get back. Cool. Impressive stuff, Dustin. Very impressive. How would a developer get started using this? So what I, what I, um, uh, suggest is that you go to our site, speechly.com, and you check out the uh, the developer uh, page there. Uh, we actually got a new site uh, out last week, so go and check it out. I think it's pretty cool. And and so you go to the site and you'll find tutorials uh, for for the like the main um, main sort of. UI frameworks and and just go. We have a, a couple of like easy easy to start off tutorials. So just follow the tutorials. They'll show you how how you configure, how you integrate it in, into your app, and and just uh, go from there. Cool, that's wicked. I might have to give it a go on the VUX World website. I think that's what we need is the ability for people just to ask for a topic, and we just fire up a podcast. Yeah, um, yeah, that's wicked. Well, yeah, I was just going to say one of the things I like quite a bit is you've got a quite a nice uh, free tier as well. You don't see that much with these types of APIs. Give you a lot of hands-on experience before you decide to buy. Exactly. So, so we have a generous um, free tier. So, so you can you can try it out and see how it works and and then then see what you want to do. Nice. 
well, we'll stick that link in the show notes as always. And uh, I, th- I think that this is, you know, the whole concept of putting voice interfaces onto, um, you know, software and, and screen-based devices is, is, I think that it's started getting a bit of attention over the over the summer. We've been talking about it obviously for for years, and I think that you know tools like this are absolutely vital in making that possible for people because it's like the, the amount of times I get asked, how, how would you voice enable an app or how would you voice enable a website? You know, it's, it's a question that comes up quite a lot. Um, and I think, yeah, having a, a tool that's relatively simple to get up and running with and, and make that happen is fantastic, especially yeah. with decent technology behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. And the real cool thing about voice is that if you add that voice button there and you enable some features uh, and people will try it out, you'll actually see what people try out and and so if if you don't support that you know, the features that people try out it's, it's it, you you can add them mm. uh, and 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 you'll see like what what people are trying with voice so it's you know it's easier to 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 see how how the experience is um mm. cool well, kid. Well, Hannes, it's been an absolute pleasure. Where can people uh, follow you? I'll put the Twitter link as well on on the website. But if people want to, you know, uh, follow your kind of musings in this space, where can they where can they do that? Cool. Um, so, yeah, we we have um, so our site. We have our blog. Um, we have our Twitter. We have our LinkedIn. Uh, all of those are good places where where something interesting happens. We we post it there. So. Check those out and and uh, and and follow those. There, there's going to be some really cool stuff uh, coming in in those. Cool, wicked. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for tuning in on LinkedIn and YouTube and on the podcast. And again, apologies for my mic quality. It's been uh, I don't feel right not having this microphone right here like this. This is usually how I kind of uh, get down. But uh, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Congratulations once again, Dustin, uh, on the newest member of the family. And I'm sure we'll hear a lot more stories about uh, about how you're getting on over the next few weeks as well. If you if you manage to uh, get some sleep. I, I hope so. Hope so. <laughs> cool. Nice one.